When I was nine years old, we were sent from the city to the village. The villages in Kenya is a place where you don't find a lot of resources. So moving from the city where I had almost everything that I needed, going to a good school, having breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and having nice clothes, and of course, good friends. And then you go to the village where there are not many resources. 99% of the kids didn't have shoes growing up and not nice clothes. So it was quite a shift for me. So I knew that I needed to get out of that place. And my mom and my brothers and sisters we didn't have the means. I knew that at some point I need to find a way to get out. And my mother, when I was in fifth grade, she sat me down and she said, Isaac, you're very good with books and you're, you're smart in school. If only you can stick in school and do well, you might be the person who is going to go to high school, go to college, get a job and come back and save us from this environment. And she said that I don't know how to read and write. She had never been to school. And she said, I've had people say that education is the key to success. So if you get good education, most likely you're going to have a good lifestyle. So I knew then that my key to get out of that environment was to do well in school. In a corporate world where all employees have great leaders with no egos that create fun cultures where people can do their best work, the employees and companies thrive while doing great things for the customers themselves, and each other. Well, we know that rarely happens. I'm Jeff Palaccio. I have been a leader for over 40 years for every t-shirt-sized company, from small 16 employees to extra-large over 1 million. Please join me while I interview outstanding leaders that will share stories of great leadership and not-so-great. It will help you become a better leader while poking fun at all the crazy shit that happens in corporate America. Hi, I'm Joe Deshawn, and welcome to The Corporate Couch with Jeff Palaccio. Today, Jeff is interviewing Isaac Wambua. Isaac is the CEO of Dynamo Methods, a leadership coaching and management training business. He is a professional speaker, trainer, and author of a newly published bestseller called Now That I'm a Manager, What Do I Do Next? After training as an engineer for eight years, Isaac decided to venture into business coaching, speaking, and training to inspire leaders and professionals to conquer their fears and step into greatness. For his speaking and training, he focuses on inspiration and motivation, diversion and inclusion, employee engagement, and leadership and communication skills. You can learn more about Isaac at his website, dynamomethods.com. Let's listen as Jeff talks to Isaac. Isaac, welcome to the Corporate Couch. Thank you. Thank you, Jeff, to have me. Yeah, a pleasure. This is a record-setting episode because you're, I, I'm, I'm almost 100% certain you're my first internationally born guest. So uh, congratulations on that great honor. I'm sure Forbes, Inc., Wall Street Journal, some other publications are going to probably reach out to you since you reached this milestone. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. It makes me feel special that uh, I'm the first internationally born guest of your show. Yeah, and it's been great. You know, we both uh, admire uh, Randy Powell, and uh, I've met so many of my guests through Randy's podcast, so I, I, yeah. I have him to thank for that, and hopefully I can do that uh, personally at some point soon. Yeah, he is amazing, really. And he, you know, he brought, brings in very good guests to his show. Oh, yeah, phenomenal. Yeah. 
So I'd like to start out with a kind of a fun question to every guest. Uh, we've been in this pandemic, COVID, almost three years now coming yep. up. It's, uh, we're recording this on March 2nd, 2023. What has been the craziest attire or lack of attire you've seen on a Zoom call? Wow. It's not necessarily the attire, but the sort of say lack of preparation for the, for the Zoom calls, basically virtual meetings where, um, you know, just like any other meeting, if you decide to do a one-on-one, -on -one, you think about the venue and the drive time and, you know, how to get there. If it's lunchtime, most likely it's going to be busy. But what I've seen with virtual meetings is that a lot of people don't really prepare for that. So you find their either, you know, Zoom is about to update. That's the software or their microphone is not working. There's a lot of noise in the background. And for someone who is busy like you and me, you find if you, if you only have 15, 20 minutes, then about five minutes of your time is gone. And then you don't get to accomplish much. So that has been my biggest concern. And um, attire-wise, I've not had a lot of people show up inappropriately dressed. Um, and I guess it's, it's because they know I'm in the business circle. And most of the conversations are usually professional conversations. So I haven't had anything that concerning when it comes to attires. Yes, all good. And I know I actually did wear a nice shirt today because I know you're a <laughs> sharp dressed man. So I, and you have a beautiful uh, uh, blue shirt there. That's a very, appreciate that. Yeah. So yeah. shows called the corporate couch, and I like we all have our formative years growing up, and it it guides our uh, career and our life. Um, you were born in Kenya, and I know your story through Randy's podcast. But did you have any idea when you were eight years old or five or 10, what you wanted to be when you grew up? I would say that I had an idea. I knew the kind of lifestyle that I wanted to have because I didn't have it at that point. Like you said, I was born in Kenya. And uh, when I was nine years old, uh, my, my father left, basically left the family. And um, we were sent from the city to the village, basically kicked out of the city, went to the village. And, you know, the villages in Kenya, it's a place where you don't find a lot of resources. So moving from the city where I had almost everything that I needed, going to a good school, having breakfast, lunch and dinner and having nice clothes and, of course, good friends. And then you go to the village where there are not many resources 99% um, of the kids didn't have shoes growing up and not nice clothes. So it was quite a shift for me. So I knew that I needed to get out of that place. So that's what I tell people. I, need, I needed to get out of that place. And since I was, I was young and my mom and my brothers and sisters, we didn't have the means. I knew that at some point I need to find a way to get out. And my mother, when I was in fifth grade, she sat me down and she said, you know, Isaac, you're very good with books and you, you're, you're smart in school, but you play too much. If only you can stick in school and do well, you might be the person who is going to go to high school, go to college, get a job and come back and save us from this environment. And she said that, you know, I don't know how to read and write. And that's that's what who my mother was. She had never been to school. And she said, I've had people say that education is the key to success. So if you get good education, most likely you're, you're going to have a good lifestyle. So I knew then that my key to get out of that environment was to do well in school. And that's what happened for me. Luckily, you know, I was able to go to high school, went to college, became an engineer, and then I got a job. Yeah, amazing. So, I mean, fifth grade, around 11 years old yeah. at that time. So is it, I mean, did you feel like pressure? Like that you, uh, or did you feel like a, 
a sense of obligation? I felt a sense of obligation, not much pressure. Now, my I have four brothers and two sisters. It's a big family. And my my older brother, David, we only we only a year apart from each other in terms of age. And him and I were very close and we used to have really tons of conversations because at that point he was the only person that I could trust in terms of the other kids and then my mother. So even after my mother told me that, my brother and I, we said we are going to work hard and we'll get jobs and then we are going to build our mama house and all kinds of conversations, which was basically us dreaming because looking around ourselves, there was no possible way to predict whether that was going to happen. So I felt a little bit of pressure but also when my dad left, I watched my mother really struggle and work hard in people's farms and doing all kinds of really odd jobs, including construction-like jobs to feed us and take care of us. So I, I felt that I needed to help my mother. And when she mentioned that education is the way to go, I didn't feel any pressure. I felt really honored to be that person that can do that. Now, Lucky enough, also, I was the first person to go to college. My brothers and my sisters didn't go to actually high school. I was the first one to go to high school and go to college. So looking back, I believe that my mother saw something in me, and I'm glad that she talked to me about that. Of course, being 11, 12 years old, it's, I was very young, but I got the message when she said that. Yeah, incredible. And so when you talk about moving from the city to the village, like I mean, how many people in the village? The, the village, um, at that point, it was about, you know, about 3,000, 4,000 people. And it's not just one village. It's about five villages all connected. They share a marketplace and they all come there every single week to buy stuff. And uh, we shared the primary schools. At that point, we had about five, uh, four primary, major primary schools and I was in one of those. But we all knew about the families. This person comes from this family and this and that. So about 3,000 people in the village. So you graduate high school and you know it's important to go to college and you pick uh, engineering, industrial management as a major. What, what was the primary reason behind that? Yeah, I wish I had uh, a very good reason for that. I, I didn't have a choice. So in Kenya at that time, and I think things have changed, even when you go to high school and you meet with a career advisor to pick the, the, the college degree that you're going to do, they made it so narrowed down. They said, if you really want to succeed, you need to become a medical doctor. You need to become an engineer. You need to become a business person or you become a lawyer. And they, when I asked them, what do you think I should become? They said, Isaac, you're good with sciences and math. So you need to become an engineer. And I got excited. So basically someone decided for me, but when I got to engineering school, I did well and I didn't know anything else really living in Kenya. But when I moved to the U.S., that's when I learned that there are so many other career paths. And in 2009, I did a personality assessment, a DISC personality assessment. And, and um, that's when I discovered that I'm more of a people person, not necessarily being in the engineering world. Of course, I liked engineering. I didn't love it. And that's when I, just, I started working you know, towards moving out of engineering to do the thing that's in, that's in line with who I am and the things that make me happy. So what was your main takeaway? Uh, obviously, the degree you received at the university. But mm -hmm. I mean, what did, what do you think your biggest learning in college was outside of getting the, the, the degree? Yeah, there are several benefits. Number one, going to college. Again, the college was in a major university, one of the national uh, universities in Kenya. I got a chance to, to interact with people from different tribes, 
different backgrounds, people that came from rich families. We also had professors from outside Kenya. We had some people from Australia, from from Asia, specifically India and Malaysia. We had uh, a professor from Australia. So we got to interact with people from different cultures and also professors that had, had gone to school outside of Kenya. So that gave me exposure. And that was the first time I had a professor tell me that Isaac, when you go to the university, that's what they call it most of the times in Kenya, you become a universal person. That means you can work anywhere, you can interact with anyone. And that also expanded my dream of really becoming someone different or being able to help my family. And that's the first time, uh, that was in 2008, that's the first time that um, I felt that I need to find a way to leave the country and get some kind of exposure. So going to the college gave me that exposure. And the second thing, specifically the engineering school, it taught me how to think on my feet. It's not a very easy degree, but it's a five-year degree. And again, also, I, I tend to think in Africa, they make it harder than, than it should be. So it taught me how to think um, on, on my feet, how to solve problems. It, it helped me to, to expand my horizon in terms, of, in terms of thinking. So after that, it became easy, really, doing all these other programs that I've done. It's relatively easy for me because I've gone through the tough programs through engineering school. Yeah, I actually, I, I attended Manhattan College in the Bronx in New York City, mm -hmm. and uh, it's mainly an engineering school. And I could attest to the fact that my engineering friends, I was a business major, uh, they had a tougher time than I did in college. <laughs> yeah, you, you don't get to socialize much. I mean, really, I, I was just all studying being in the library or in the room and staying up until midnight or two in the morning. At that point, it, I thought it was more of a torture, but looking back, it taught me how to toughen up, how to have mental muscles, and basically how to become a problem solver. Even though like today I do business consulting and coaching and training, everything that I do uh, you know, is, is, is geared towards solving a problem and providing solutions. So you graduate university. What was your first job out of university and how did you obtain it? My first job was I was hired as an, as an assistant production manager in a manufacturing company, which I was excited about that. So that particular company was trying to modernize the company. They had kind of old school people there and they wanted to bring university graduates. So they came to college. They uh, recruited us, five of us, to become management trainees, assistant production managers like me which again, those were leadership positions. And I was given a team of 65 to 85 people, depending on the season, to lead, which looking back, it was a big mistake for them because I was an engineer, but I was not a leader. I had not been trained on how to lead people, communicate with them, delegate, set expectations. So my, that was my first experience. And I quit that job within two weeks and I went to, to another company. So basically I failed terribly in my first job. So wait a second, you graduate university, and mm -hmm. you are given, after your training program, you're given the responsibility of leading a team of 65 people. Oh, yeah. No, there was no training program inside the company. It was directly as a fresh graduate. And I was Put given... you off the deep end, go swim. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So in their minds, they... And again, the education in Kenya is quite valued even today. When you have a degree, you, you are considered a smart person and they think you can do relatively anything at that point. I think things have changed. So the assumption was Isaac is an engineer. He's a smart guy. He, we need to make him a leader, make, you know, give him 85 people to lead. And they thought, and I thought the same thing as well, that people in my company will follow me just because I have a degree and I have a title. And I was very wrong. So <laughs> that's why I couldn't survive in that position. 
Wow, that's yeah. that's amazing. Um, so, what led you to uh, want to get a, a master's in, in industrial management? Yeah, again, going back when I was in engineering school before I graduated, there, there was a professor that I again, I, 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 all my life I've been asking a lot of questions, and I asked him, "What's the fastest way to advance in my career?" And he said, "The fastest way is to be in in a management position. Don't be the engineer who's in the back who designing stuff." Those people make good money, but the people who are making a lot of money are in management. Now, the reason that we had this subject about money is because, again, I came from a poor family. I was trying to make as much as I can, as, fa as fast as I can, so I can help my mom and my brothers. And uh, he said, if you're going to do a master's degree, make sure it has a management aspect in it. And that's why I picked industrial management, whereby half of the program was purely industrial engineering and the other half was on industrial management. And again, we, I learned a lot, of, a lot of stuff. And by the fact that I did it in the US, that was even a big advantage because they, again, the concepts and the way they do things are very different from Africa. Yeah. So what, I mean, obviously you wanted to be in the US, uh, mm -hmm. but what, what led you here and Obviously, uh, you end up at Warrensburg, Missouri, the uh, the mules of uh, uh, yeah. University of Central Missouri, UCM. So what led you here? So two things. Number one, I wanted to have a better life for myself and my family. So I was looking for opportunities. And people think that education was the leading factor. No, it was not. I just wanted to make as much money as possible. So, uh, but the second thing was adventure. I wanted to know what happens outside of, of, of my country. Again, being in the village and being close in there. I mean, I didn't go to a major city until I went to high school. So it's just, all I knew was being in the village. It cultivated the, the desire to want to know more and more and what's happening outside my circle. So now that I, I had gone to university, I had traveled in Kenya quite a bit. I wanted to know what happens in other parts of the world. So I wanted to adventure. And, but, but I met a guy who was working for the government at that point, and he said the United States is the best place to go. They have good education, but also when you have your first degree, you are likely to get a, an admission to, to do your master's degree so you can go to the, to the U.S. very easily. So, but again, landing in Warrensburg, Missouri, which is a very small town, and you know this, Jeff, um, that was not part of my plan. Uh, I guess I was just naive enough and to think that the U.S. is all the same. Because at that point, all we knew was, you know, looking at music videos and looking at movies, I thought every part of the U.S. is like New York. So I was like, you know, America is America. When I got acceptance to come to the University of Central Missouri, I just boarded the plane and I showed up, you know, in Warrensburg, which was a culture shock for me. So it was just my ignorance that led me to show up in Warrensburg. But looking back, there are no regrets, really. It was one of the best not really decisions, but circumstantial things that happened to me because Kansas City has become my home. I have a lot of friends, but also being in Warrensburg, being a small town, I wasn't distracted when I was going through my studies. So it all worked out for me. But out of all the universities and colleges where you can get your master's, was there a reason that you picked the University of Central Missouri? Uh, yes, there is. So I applied to several universities that I was accepted to two of them. There was a Fort Myers State in Florida and then University of Central Missouri in Warrensburg. And when I looked at the cost, the tuition fee and all the other expenses in, on, for both colleges, Fort Myers was like three to four times more expensive than UCM. So I picked UCM because it was cheaper. That, that was the only reason. I didn't look into the uh, standards and stuff. Again, I just wanted to get out of the country and go come to the U.S., yeah, and, and UCM is a, a, a very uh, respected university, so it's... It is. Uh, yes. It is. 
so uh, you graduate in '09 from there. What kind of was your career highlights uh, between graduation and then you know, going to the Maxwell uh, leadership and uh, becoming a speaker coach for uh, the Maxwell um, leadership team? So for me, when I was in in University of Central Missouri, I I got hired as an as as a graduate assistant. That means I was teaching the freshmen. And uh, that, again, gave me a lot of exposure, and I still needed to make money. Even though I was here in the U.S., my family still needed my help. So I got a job at a, the cafeteria, and, and there was a guy called Jerry. He was the director, and um, he gave me a lot of hours to work. And when I was there, there's, uh, there's a company called Yum Brands, which at that point, I'm, I think they still own KFC, Taco Bell, Pizza Hut, Lodge on Silvers, and they are big shareholders for, uh, for Pepsi. So they came to the college to recruit you know, graduates. And I was one of those people that I was hired from college. So I started managing restaurants here in Kansas City. I was hired as an assistant production, uh, assistant manager. And then six months into the job, my boss was fired because of some stuff that happened. And I was told, Isaac, you're going to become the general manager. And again, I was not trained. So, and since I was a little bit confident in myself, I said, yes, I'm going to take the position. But I think mostly it's because, uh, you know, I was going to be paid good money and I took the position and that was the second turning point that took me back to my first job right after engineering school. In this job now in America, I had only 18 team members, but it was tough for me as well because my language was different. The accent, accent was different, the culture. So my team members didn't understand me. They thought I was too harsh on them and maybe I was. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I believe in, you know, being responsible. But again, the environment that I grew up in, it's a place where you're not supposed to cry or be weak, according, that's what they said. So you don't say a lot of, please, I'm sorry, I was wrong. That language never existed in my life. So I struggled with my new team. And actually, literally within six six weeks, I lost seven of them. And now you can imagine what happened. So I had to work 80, 90 hours a, nine, 90 hours a week until my boss, who was the district manager, came and kind of saved my life coached me, taught me how to lead people, how to resolve conflicts, how to communicate. And um, of course, I left there, worked for Chick-fil-A. Then I went to sales, went to engineering school. And fast forward, I decided to become a consultant. And the reason is because most of the companies, including in the food industry and also in engineering, uh, engineering world, I found that they were struggling with productivity, efficiency, making money, of course. And most of the companies, I believe all of them, they, I was getting paid a base salary plus commission and bonuses based on our performance. So that means if we didn't do well, uh, my bonus was very low and that really affected, affected my paycheck. So I got curious on what are some of the things that we can do to improve efficiency, productivity, make money, attract and retain our people. And I came up with a very good plan that I worked on for about three months. And I took it to my boss at that point in one of the companies and he said, no, we're not going to change anything. We don't change anything here. Your job is to show up, do your job and go home. And uh, so I quit that company, went to another one and I faced the same problem. They were having issues. I presented to my boss. He said, no, I quit, went to another one. And at some point I was like, I think something is wrong with me. Because again, at that point, and even today, people used to preach that you need to, to keep a job for at least three to five years so you can show a track record that you can be counted upon. But I felt that I needed to make a change. So 
the last company that I worked with before I took the job, I told them what I wanted to do. I told them that I, I have a, a, you know, a small program that I created. I want to see if we can experiment with it. It helps with the productivity, efficiency, making money, retaining employees. And I told them I'm also very self-responsible. I don't want to be managed or micromanaged by anyone. Um, and, you know, strange enough, they said, yes, you're going to have the job. And that's the company that gave me the platform to experiment with different things. Uh, but in addition with, to that, I also helped some people from my church and my social circles, people that were working for major companies like Kansas City um, Hospital, that were working with um, in 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 the in the you know retirement homes, having their own companies. <clears throat> so I coached them for free to experiment with this this little process, and they were getting good results. And that's when I I knew there's something here. So in 2015, I decided to get certified to become a speaker, a coach, and a trainer. I ran my company, you know, uh, part-time for two years. And in 2016, I went full-time and I never looked back. So it was kind of a succession of different things that I did. Most of them were experimental, but it's from the small successes that I experienced that I felt confident that I can step into this world and potentially be able to make a difference in people's lives. Yeah, phenomenal. So do you still keep in touch with your uh, mentor, uh, uh, manager at, uh, at that job? Yes, we do. Actually... As soon as I left, she left also. She left a few months after I left because what I came to learn is that she too, she was not very happy in uh, that company. Uh, so after I left, she left and she started her own company. So she runs her own company. We, we stay in touch. We are connected. We talk once in a while. Um, but actually the, the manager that said no to my proposal in one of the companies, I get to see him uh, quite a bit. He is um, still here in Kansas City, so we bump on each other once in a while in coffee shops. I never remind him about what he told me. Probably he doesn't even remember, but we get to uh, we get to see each other once in a while. And then the last company that I worked for, the company that gave me the opportunity to to really have the freedom to experiment with different ideas that I have, we've stayed in touch. And actually, just two days ago, I saw one of uh, the owner's sons. It's, it's, it's a company in Lenexa here in Kansas City. Uh, they're still my friends. They invite me to go to their Christmas parties. And yeah, so we've, we've, we've kept that relationship going. This concludes part one of Jeff's conversation with Isaac Wambua. Be sure to listen to part two, where Isaac continues discussing his career and his unique motivation here on The Corporate Couch.